everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Today we're going to talk about a dog named Bentley who touched our lives in so many ways. This heartfelt story we're going to share with you is something that we hold near and dear to our hearts, and we're so honored to share his story and his presence with you all here today. We'd like to share Bentley's whole story, at least Bentley's whole story of where his life intertwines with ours, which, as you'll see, was not his whole story, but his whole story as far as we're concerned. And some of the more mind-blowing spiritual stuff, the synchronicities, you know, kind of what this podcast is about, that comes toward the end of the story. But we really want to honor Bentley and give the whole perspective, give the whole picture about how Bentley touched our lives. And I've always said that there's nothing that's not spiritual. So in that sense, you know, anything I tell you on here will be spiritual. And certainly this whole story is, um, but like I said, we'll get to some of the more mind blowing stuff toward the end. So here we go. A story of a dog's life. Okay. The story starts with a friend who lives in town, which is about 20 minutes away from us. And he was living with a local police officer who knew a local state trooper. Um, so it was a town police officer and then a state trooper. The state trooper was not allowed to have dogs in her apartment. And so she had been paying, and, and we've only heard this through the grapevine. Uh, we heard she was paying a lot of money to have him boarded during that time. And for whatever reason, uh, the local police officer offered to watch Bentley. And I believe maybe it was saving her money on boarding fees. And so about four days into Bentley being at their house, Bentley and the local police officer's dog kind of had a little tiff. I don't know the details of it, but... The local police officer was ready to get Bentley out of the house. He did not want him there. And I guess they could not get a hold of Bentley's owner at the time. And he was ready to send him to the pound, to the animal shelter, until um, they could get a hold of Bentley's owner. And so our friend, who's the roommate of the police officer, reached out to us. And he's like, hey, listen, you guys, this is what's going on. I'd hate to see a dog have to go to the animal shelter and so is there any chance you guys could watch a dog for three days? And I've never been a dog person my whole life. I've been a self-proclaimed, I'm not a dog person. I, I grew up with cats and I think what it really comes down to is I just enjoy my freedom and I didn't really envy my friends who couldn't do certain things because of their dog or this and that. Um, but I still have a heart and didn't want to see a dog go to a pound. And so. So I've always been a dog person and I love them all my life, all my life. And uh, recently I had been bitten by a dog though in town. I was on my break and I was walking and I was attacked by three dogs and bitten. And so this love of dogs that I had had all my life suddenly turned to fear um, we hadn't had a dog, uh, Brandon and I, in our relationship, but um, all of my childhood and uh, years as a young adult, I would dog sit any time you know, it was offered to me and would do it willingly and happily. 
But this recent turn of events kind of uh, changed my perception, and I was in a state of fear. So that gives you some precursor to uh, how uh, this story starts and um, how he changed our lives. So we had a pet-free house. Um, I forget how many years we've been in this house, but it was pet-free. I only remember one time some friends stayed who had a dog, and she stayed in the mudroom the whole time, um, which looking back now from where we're at is kind of ridiculous to think about, <laughs> and I kind of feel <laughs> bad about it. But nevertheless, we went down. We picked up Bentley, and he was like an Akita lab mix sharpe as well and he had a massive head (laughs) he kind of he looked like a dog you don't want to mess with i always thought he was a pit bull but later found out that he was not so he did have that demeanor of boxy stance very broad shoulders big head um and he had a blue tongue (laughs) so we brought him to our house and day one we kept him in the mudroom and he was Super respectful. The first night when he was in the mudroom, I felt bad for him. And we had gone to take a shower, which is in the back of the house. And he didn't bark or anything. Like, he totally accepted us putting him in the mudroom. And he totally accepted this safe space, basically, that we had created for him. But um, sometime, it was either before or after the shower, I went into the mudroom and I really spent some time with him. And I knelt down and I put my head, my forehead against his head and I put my face on his face. And I could just tell he was such a sweetheart and um, he was harmless. And so my fear transformed um, in that moment because I was a little fearful. Here we are taking in a dog that was started a fight, supposedly, and I had just been bitten by a dog. And I came back and I told Brandon, I said, he's harmless. <laughs> so day two, we expanded his territory from the mudroom to the mudroom and the kitchen. So essentially, <laughs> we were keeping him off of the carpet and the beds and the couches and all that. But we have an open space, so the kitchen and the living room are one big area. Um, Half of it's uh, carpet, half of it's not. And so we stayed in the living room. We slept on the couches out there so we could be in his presence, Um, actually both nights. But um, again, the second night, he was super respectful of the boundaries, and he just watched us from the other side of the little fence that we made with (laughs) various objects around the couch. And I just, I really respected the respect that he had for us. And day three, we opened the whole house. We're such softies. (laughs) (laughs) We said, screw it. And uh, we slept in our bed and we let him join. And I think he slept at the end of our bed and uh, he was wanting us over. So, and I'll just say that he just re, um, reignited that childhood love of dogs that I've always had. And um, when I was a kid, dogs were my best friend. And we didn't have any children in the neighborhood, and I lived out in the country, and I had a black lab. So he reignited this love of dogs in my heart at that point, three days in. Yeah, for me, he was 
It was still working on it. Um, <laughs> I knew that we'd have to give him back, and I don't know. I still held my identity of not being a dog person. So day four, we hadn't heard anything. It was only supposed to be three days that we were um, watching Bentley, and on day four, we hadn't heard anything. So we sent a text down to my friend, and we were given the number of Bentley's owner. So we ended up texting her, and she didn't have a game plan yet. She needed to find a more permanent solution for Bentley, and so just kind of left it up in the air with us, and that was fine. We weren't in any rush, and so about two weeks go by. Fast forward two weeks, and then I reached where Sophia was at. I was, to- <laughs> I was totally in love with Bentley. I mean, this dog was so respectful. I was driving tow trucks for my job, and he would... He would crush all the miles with me at all times of day and night, and he always stayed awake and stood up on the seat and watched where we were going, <laughs> and he was just an awesome wingman, and um, I just, yeah, really opened my heart. So all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I'm a dog person. And he listened really well when we were towing. He would never go too far away, so you could tell like he respected us and our boundaries, and he wasn't trying to escape or anything like that. He wasn't on a leash, so... Um, He liked being around us, so it was nice to be around him too. Yeah, so after two weeks, we reached out to his owner again and said, you know, we're willing to adopt this dog, and she was not willing to give him up yet. She was positioned here or stationed here for her job, but she was hoping to get transferred, and when she got transferred, hopefully she could live somewhere that allowed dogs and she could have her dog back. Bentley was six years old at this point, so... They'd been together for six years, totally understandable. And so she said the transfer could take from six months to a year and asked if we'd be willing to watch him for that length of time. And we said yes. And so when you have a dog that you're totally in love with and you you are under the the presumption that you're going to be giving this dog mm-hmm. back to its owner in six months to a year – You just embrace the love you have for that dog with no attachment. And that in and of itself is a spiritual practice. And so I came up with a saying just organically at the time. I'd say, Bentley, you are the dog of the day today. (laughs) And I loved it. And he would say it every single day, pretty much when we woke up, um, (laughs) he would announce that for the day. And so it just gave us such a lightheartedness and also um, embracing each day together and the adventures that we would encounter together. Yeah. So moving on, I already mentioned how he was like an amazing wingman for towing. I I can't say enough about that, but he also loved snowmobiling. (laughs) Like when we were pulling into the, the parking lots for the snowmobiling at the trailheads, he was like, out the window, barking, drooling, like so excited. And so (laughs) we'd bring him on snowmobile adventures and he was a little too big for a backpack. So he'd ride on the seat and he'd also run with the sleds. And there was a couple days we tracked mileage. He put on a few 12 mile days and he was just, uh, he was a beast out there. He was amazing. So we would stop for breaks on the snowmobiles if we were, especially on a trail on the way to uh, like a 
backyard or backcountry cabin and he wouldn't want to break like it would be you know seven miles in we thought okay let's take a break let's hang out for a bit nope he kept going <laughs> yeah so there's videos of that but um bentley was not only a badass but he was full of love he'd follow us everywhere he had his own bed in the house but he'd wake up and he'd snuggle so much with us for only about two to five minutes and then back to business. And he was, very, uh, he was a dog with a purpose. And a few of the cuter things he would do is if you had a treat or a toy, he would, he would start backing up on the carpet. And he would totally, like, so I don't know what his background was, but if you gave him a milk bone or something, he didn't know what to do with it. And he'd start crying and, like, looking for a place to bury it. So um, he would hide it in the house, and he'd, like, put something over it, like a piece of cloth or outside. (laughs) We had given him a red uh, ball one time, and he buried it, like, so shallow. He literally put, like, five rocks over it, and then he was satisfied. (laughs) So it was super cute cute that he like held each toy each treat like dear to his heart and really treasured that like we gave him that and I thought it was the most precious thing so we lived this awesome life with Bentley for about six months and then we heard from his owner that she got transferred and at that point she asked us if we were still willing to adopt Bentley We had kept in touch with her the entire time. We sent almost weekly photos of all his adventures and just really stayed in touch. I really honored the fact that there's a person out there who has spent six years with this dog and I'm sure loves him as much. I mean, I hesitate to say more because we really loved him, but as much or more than we did. And um, so she knew he was in good hands and asked us if we'd adopt him. And of course we said yes. Yes. (laughs) So we're now the the proud owners. Um, I also don't like to say owners, um, guardians of of Bentley. And so life was great. Um, That was springtime. Um, You know, we mentioned snowmobiling. The first six months took place around winter months. And uh, in the springtime, once we said we'd adopt him, we took him on overnight rafting adventures And it was so precious. Like, so at first we had, so we had a raft and he had never been on a raft before and he didn't know what the oars were. So he would bark at the oars every time they came out of the water. And so um, eventually (laughs) we pushed him in because literally like an hour had gone by and he would not stop barking. And he comes out of the water and he's just like a different dog. And he's like, okay, I think I'm supposed to relax now. So he sat on the bow of the boat after that and was the best dog and didn't bark at the oars anymore. (laughs) But um, just looking back, um, I have pictures of his wonderment, looking at the uh, walls of the canyon. Um, I mean, these pictures have captured it. Uh, He was just in awe of nature. He was so at peace on that trip. Um, you know, dragonflies would come up, he wouldn't flinch, and he was sitting at our campsites just completely at peace. He was in his essence, um, in nature where he felt at home, 
And um, it was such a beautiful thing to witness. And I would wake up from uh, my tent and I'd uh, let him out and then he'd go sit and like keep watch over the area where we were camping. But the peace that I saw in him really moved me in my heart. I'll never forget that. And I'll, I'll never forget sitting with him on the beach while we were camping and just being with him. And I held his hand there. Yeah, and he's also, as I keep mentioning, a badass. We took him <laughs> three miles up a hike. It was all uphill out of the canyon to the top. Um, there's this place that's the second highest concentration of natural arches outside of Arches National Park. And we're climbing these like small like four-foot cliff sections to get up there, and he would put his front paws up, and I'd give him a little butt push, and he'd get up there, and he just kept going, and around cliff's edge edges he he would track my energy and he knew I was serious and to stay away from them and be careful and he'd find shade and we took breaks and then we got up to the arches and, and he looked at them he mm-hmm. he was really into his surroundings and uh I've been back to that hike one more time since and it's just so cool to think that he got all the way up there with a good attitude on his own he didn't need any coaxing just a few butt pushes And I'll say he looked at those arches in wonderment at nature, and um, it was almost like a person taking them in. Um, Just, it was amazing to watch him and that he really appreciated uh, also the views up there. We were so high up. Um, He was really taking it all in. That was a beautiful thing to witness. So that spring, we also took him on a motorcycle, (laughs) and that was before we had discovered canine backpacks, like bags that are built for dogs. And so he put up with us (laughs) putting him into my largest backpacking backpack that I have. Uh, No fuss or fight. He just really trusted us at this point in our relationship. He always did, but uh, he let us put him in this backpack, not made for dogs. And I put him up on my shoulders. He weighed about 60 pounds and hopped on a motorcycle and just we just went down the driveway and back um i was just like it works <laughs> yeah so that's about as much motorcycle riding as we did with him but you know when i started the bike and started moving he was totally calm and trusting and didn't rebel at all and it was just it was a dream come true for me to take you know at that point he's like my son take someone i love on Something I love so much. So that was all really cool. Um, And now I'll just give a little heads up at this point that here's where things start to get a little heavy. So make sure you got your tissues near you. We're going to, we're going to do our, our best to, you know, stay centered ourselves. But this is also where all the spiritual stuff, um, let me rephrase that, all the synchronistic stuff starts to happen so one morning we wake up and there's a moose right outside the kitchen window and maybe i can find a way to post these pictures and link them to the episode but i got a picture of it this moose is like like a foot Mm -hmm. foot and a half away from the the glass of the window like we've seen moose around here but (laughs) never has one walked up to the house like that And right on the other side of the glass is Bentley and Sophia. (laughs) And so I have a picture of all of them. Like literally Sophia and Bentley, 
their noses are just a couple feet away from the nose of a moose separated by uh, a window pane. And he didn't bark either. He just like looked at the moose just like me. So if you guys do see the picture, it's both of us curiously looking at this beautiful animal right outside the window. So I'll give a little bit of a spoiler. We didn't know it at the time and we know it very well now, not just from this story, but many other stories since then, which I'm sure we'll tell at some point on this podcast, that the moose can be can be a warning of troubling times and signaling that you have the strength to get through this and um, this emotionally turbulent period in your life. So that's at least what it was for us and has continued to be for us. And so after that morning where we saw the moose, we went rafting and when we got back from rafting, he, he was starting to throw up which was not unusual. Bentley threw up from time to time. Uh, we still got some stains in our carpets. Um, so we didn't really think much of it. But this time he didn't stop. It was usually before it was like he'd throw up one time and that was it. And being on the river, I thought, oh, well, he probably ate some dead fish or something like that. Like, he'll be okay. Yeah. So it didn't stop, like I mentioned, and we noticed he was really bloated and then he walked all the way down our driveway. It's a long driveway and he laid in some tall grass and I didn't know, but yeah, he got as far away from the house as he possibly could. And I said to Brandon, Oh my God, he's gone down, gone down there to die. And I didn't know dogs would do that to die. And as soon as she said that we just kicked it in gear. We grabbed the car put him in the back of the car and drove on a 55 and 65 mile per hour road about 90 miles per hour to the other side of the county to a vet's office. And like, I, I was so concerned. I didn't care if I got pulled over for speeding. I probably wouldn't have even pulled over. Probably would have just called dispatch, kept going. Um, I was just total in dad emergency mode and we get to the vet's office. We'd given him a heads up we were coming. So he was there, but it was a holiday weekend. And I want to jump in and just say that on the way there, he started to lose consciousness. And I could tell. And so that's why I told Brandon, you have to hurry. So we get there. The vet's there. And he says, um, he says the dog has a flipped stomach and we need to do surgery. And I was like, are you sure? What about x-rays? What about this? What about tests? What about that? And he's like, he's like, I'm sure I have 30 years of experience. We need to not waste any more time. I give him a 10% chance and I go 10% chance if he doesn't get the surgery. And he said, no, 10% chance with the surgery. And <sighs> so, yeah, we were very frugal at the time, you know, um, and we just thought going into this, we're like, we're going to follow all the steps. We're going to get x-rays. All that went out the window. We were like, do anything you can to save his life. We will do anything. So we asked how much it was going to cost. And he said $3,000, which um, is a little bit of a gut punch. I have many friends where it can be a lot more than that. So I understand that too. But um, still un unexpected $3,000 is a little bit of a gut punch. And so... 
I said, screw it, we're doing it. Um, we're going to save this dog's life and at the very least support a local business. And so the thing about it being a holiday weekend is the vet could not get a hold of his assistant. And so Sophia works at the hospital and she works in the lab. Um, she draws blood and then runs blood tests. Not quite doctor or nurse experience, but nevertheless, the vet goes, all right, Sophia, you worked in the hospital. Here's some gloves. And then gave me some gloves too. Here, here you go, Brandon. Here's some gloves. And we assisted with the surgery. So um, the first cut was hard for me as he cut his belly open. And I had to completely detach at that point. Um, I knew that if I was to assist one of my best friends through this, that I had to be strong. And um, I had to see him as a patient at that point and uh, do what needed to be done and be uh, level-headed and grounded about what was in front of me and look at it from an analytical point of view. And I had to leave my emotions behind. And Sophia did a masterful job at that. Typically, she's the one crying. I'm the one holding it together, but it was completely opposite. Uh, my job was to just stand at the, the head of the bed by his head and hold the bucket that had the other end of the tube that was shoved down his throat. So I was just collecting any fluids that came out. Sophia was doing the actual work and I was bawling my eyes out. And, and the vet is like, are you going to be okay? He thought that he's like, I don't want to have to call another ambulance. And he thought I was maybe crying and being that emotional because I couldn't stomach the incisions and seeing the, the organs come out and all that. But I was just emotional. It had nothing to do with, uh, the nature of a surgery. It was just, I was emotional from maybe losing Bentley. So, um, we went through with the surgery and the vet I'll just jump in and say that um, we did twist his stomach back to the original positioning. And in that procedure, his stomach was stitched to the wall of his uh, intestinal or to his uh, skin lining so that it could not re-twist. Um, and the doctor pulled out his spleen and asked me, do you think this is viable? And the color was vibrant. It was not a dead organ? And I said, yes, absolutely. So I'm very happy that I stood in my power that day and um, really assessed what was in front of me and didn't let the doctor do more than what was needed to uh, save our best friend. So by this time, it's quite late and the vet lives nearby. So he goes home. He teaches us how to use the, um, what are they called? The fluids that are going in so he taught us how to change his IV fluids, um, and it was a drip IV. And gave us a phone number in case we needed anything. And uh, we called him a couple times throughout the night, but he stayed home and we did everything. And he let us sleep in the office, which was super cool of him. Um, I imagine not many vets' offices would do that. Um, you know, I had access to anything. I could touch anything in the office, anything, records, medicine, whatever. Um, and he just trusted us, uh, small town love, I guess. And so we slept there on the floor with Bentley and uh, managed everything. And we also gave him his antibiotics and his medicines on the schedule through the IV line. 
So we stayed there through most of the next day. The vet was seeing clients as they came in. We were in the back room just still sitting on the floor with Bentley monitoring things, and and he was doing okay, enough where we were able to kind of wrap him in a blanket, move him to the car, um, got all the, the meds we needed, and we brought him home. And so he he was bedridden. So we made a spot in the window um, that we lined with um, garbage bags to block fluid stains and a bunch of blankets and and we took care of Bentley for the next week. Um, we are healers now. We're trained in, in healing modalities, uh, multiple, but this was before the days of, of being a healer. So when we were home, we were just doing everything we could at the time. Looking back, you know, it's always like, what if, what if, what if, could have, wish I'd known that. Um, and that part's always hard. I try not to do that, but at the time we didn't know too much. So we just did what we could and we put on really soft meditation music. Um, we prayed, we did crystals. We, uh, lit a candle for him and we would meditate and also send him healing energy because this concept was not foreign to us. Although we were not healers yet, we would, um, sit with our hands on him and send him love and healing energy. Yeah, so this went on for a week. It was in the living room. We slept in the living room the whole time, and and Bentley couldn't drink his own water. So every half hour around the clock, and 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 really think about that because it really had an impact me, an impact on me. Every half hour around the clock, we would get up and then hold a bowl of water. I'd lift his head, and Sophia would hold a bowl of water, and he would drink every time. So, yeah, it was amazing to see like every time he was thirsty and then it, he had to pee and he would just pee in place there. Yeah, and so he wasn't eating anything, um, but things were improving. His scar, his his incision was healing and he had more energy every day it seemed like. And when people would come to the door, he'd bark and protect us like he always did. And, you know, if we really thought or sensed he was in any sort of like traumatic, deep pain, uh, we would have done things differently. But we were feeling super hopeful and more hopeful by the day, staying in touch with the vet who always reminded us we're not out of the woods yet. We're not out of the woods yet. And then one day, two moose show up right outside the window that he's laying in. And that's a different window than the moose from a week prior. And go ahead. I want to jump in and say that um, we had made a song, and I wish I could remember how it goes, but it was something about Bentley's going to heal his tummy. And that's the other thing that we would sing to him. Yeah, I could sing it. Um, the tune was like, and so it was like, Bentley's going to heal his belly, and oh, we would just say good. that with different octaves, and that was pretty much the whole song. So, yeah, we were singing him lyrics, and uh, Sophia was singing him love songs. So, um, on 
the last day he was with us, I was... Which was the day the two moose showed up. Yeah, and the two... Let's go back to that. So the two moose in the yard were just so powerful. They um, are humongous animals, if you've ever seen them up close. And here they are again. Um, And they... When I saw them, it was like the guardians. It was like, oh, no. Uh, I thought to myself, well, this is a powerful moment. I don't know what it means, but... We had wow. an I- we had an idea because we knew what happened when that first moose showed up. That was the day he flipped his stomach. Yes, yeah, so we um, were like, "Oh no!" Yeah, <clears throat> and so that night, um, the day goes by, and that night I was spontaneously inspired to sing him love songs, and I sang from my heart um, my favorite musicals and. Uh, I sang to his heart. I looked at him in his eyes as I sang. And so I am very thankful that I have those memories. So later that evening, um, it was about midnight actually, Sophia got called into work. So she was on call for work, could get called in at any hour, and she got called in. And so we don't think this is a coincidence. We think that's a synchronicity. At the time, Sophia being away from the moment of death was uh, what was needed, we'll say. Yeah, um, I just uh, wasn't in the space to be able to be here when he passed. I uh, wasn't ready for that yet, and I feel that Brandon was. All right, so... I'm going to move through the toughest part of the story here best I can. (sighs) Um, As healers, we were trained in the Barbara Brennan School of Healing. And Barbara, in one of her books, talks about the soul leaving up the vertical power current, like the, the center line of the body, up out the top of the head at the moment of death. And that's what I witnessed. Um, Bentley had not... he had not raised his head almost for the entire week. A couple times when people came to the door and he barked and stuff, but we were more or less lifting his head for water every 30 minutes, like I mentioned. And he wasn't doing it on his own, but at the moment of death, he, I watched, I just sensed his energy field go up his spine and his whole body and head lifted up way way up like way higher than i was lifting it to give him water off of the couch and then just his body fell lifeless just to clarify it was just his whole upper body yeah yeah thanks it's just his upper body it's not like he was fully levitating and you also said that he had had a bowel movement right before he passed yeah the first bowel movement um maybe second in a week which you know it coincides with death in general. And so um, I became extremely emotional. Um, I'm not going to not try to give Bentley mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. So I cupped my hands around his nose, closed his jaw, and blew air into his nose. I've never been trained in CPR with a dog. I don't even know that if that's what you're supposed to do, but that's what I did. And then I pumped his heart And I tried that a few times and was just getting nowhere. So 
Um, I did the best I could. And then I am just, I am just crying my eyes out and I am praying and I am talking to Bentley. Bentley, if you've passed, like, just go to the light, just go to the light. It's okay. But I am just like, so emotional, like sound nothing like what I sound right now in the retelling of it. I am wailing at the top of my lungs. Uh, it was gut wrenching. And Sophia was on the phone this whole time, uh, just because it was such a touch and go situation that night. And so she was there on speakerphone. Um, so yes, Bentley had passed while I was on the phone with Brandon. And when I get called into work, it's to service the emergency room. And so I couldn't stop what I was doing to, you know, within reason, I could delay maybe a minute or two, but I had to continue on with my work and then also try to hurry up to try to get home. But he passed while I was on the phone with Brandon. Yeah, so take a breath. We've made it through the hardest part of the story. Um but Sophia ended up coming home and we put some floodlights out in the backyard and we dug a shallow grave around 2 a.m. and full of tears the whole time and um, moved Bentley's body into the grave and wrapped in blankets and filled in the grave. So <clears throat> that night... So I didn't sleep but a moment that night, and the moment that I fell asleep, I saw Bentley's face right in front of my face in the dream world um, or the astral world, um, and it jolted me back into the physical world, back into being awake here on earth. And um, I was so scared because I knew he was out of his body, and I wanted him to have direction. So I just prayed that the angels and guides would guide him to where he would be best to go now that he didn't have a physical body. But he was, his face was just so close to my face and it was, I mean, just such a powerful moment, but I just cried and cried and cried. Um, that was the only moment that I slept that night and uh, had to be back at work at 7 a.m. So um, it was quite the night people were very kind to me as I told them what happened yeah so I was like okay Sophia got to see him I haven't I haven't seen or got anything from him yet and so one of the ways I get guidance from my guides or whoever's trying to speak to me who is not me is through song lyrics in my head it's like my own inner mind shatter voice but what it comes through in lyrics that's how i distinguish it from being my own thoughts um, and it being a message and so throughout the first week after bentley passed i was hearing the song by chadwick stokes called dead badger and part of the lyrics are a badger who a dead badger who gets buried in a shallow grave much like bentley did um, but I really think the main message is toward the end of the song, it repeats, all I love is on the rise. And that's really the gift that Bentley brought into my life. He just really took a, I'm not a dog person to, um, I love dogs and I have a really wide open heart and I can apply that to 
to many things, not just dogs. And so after a week of hearing these lyrics from time to time, you know, I don't just hear it the first time and, and like, oh, okay, this is it. I'm looking and, and like really reaching for signs. I just, it came in enough over the following week that I finally said to Sophia, okay, I'm positive. Finally, Bentley is giving me these lyrics. This is how he's getting my attention. It's the dead badger song. And so literally the day after I shared that with Sophia, she's at work. I'm sitting in the big window in our living room and this animal that I've never seen walks by and I don't recognize it. So I take a picture of it and I send it to Sophia and I said, what is this thing? And she said, that's a badger. (laughs) (laughs) And we have never seen a badger at this house before then. And actually we've never seen a badger at this house since then. And it's been four years. Or in the forest surrounding, never before and never since. Yeah, I know they're around, but um, they haven't been in our awareness. So there you go. That's a what are the odds moment. So are the moose, of course. But uh, that just that one really got me. So uh, a couple other things I want to mention is that we wrote a heartfelt letter to Bentley's mother. Um, we call ourselves the step parents. So. <laughs> We wrote her heartfelt letter, sent home his collar, and we learned later that her best friend took those items and framed them. And so we were super honored and touched by that. Um, we haven't really been in touch with her much since, but um, I don't think she knows we're, we're uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term, spiritual nerds. <laughs> and so we're going to send her this episode and hopefully she, she listens to it. Um, so not long after that, um, we made a, a prayer to Bentley. We said, hey, Bentley, if you want to reincarnate, we'd love for you to come back and we'd love for you to be a boy, a puppy, be blonde, love the snow, love to run, have ears that flop down <laughs> and have shortish hair so you don't like have long hair shed- shedding all over the house. And we made that prayer. Um, we were beginning school at the Barbara Brennan School of Healing and so we decided we weren't going to get a dog uh, at least for the first two years so we could see how it was like being in school and then maybe we'd consider it however two months later our neighbor who has been our neighbor for three years but we have never really talked to or maybe talked to one time text Sophia out of the blue. Yeah, and I didn't even know she had my phone number. Yeah, so she is a dog trainer, and she worked at one of the local um, animal shelters. And so a family had returned this puppy, and so it was her job to monitor this puppy and make sure that he was still suitable for further adoption. So she said that Sophia had come to mind. And so she reached out to Sophia. We learned later that uh, this neighbor is also spiritually minded and into meditation and manifestation and, and things of that nature. Um, but she reached out to Sophia and asked if we were willing to watch this puppy for three days. 
And I was like, three days? That was the original amount of time that we were supposed to watch Bentley for. So uh, the synchronicity was not lost on us. Um, we were supposed to go on a road trip to Yellowstone National Park, and I immediately said yes <laughs> and was willing to cancel our trip. Um, it's also synchronistic that our neighbors were babysitting a puppy like a week or two before this, and I was like, I want to babysit a puppy. And um, there was my chance, so I was ready to drop everything to be with him. And so our neighbor comes to drop him off, and she could have brought us any puppy in the world. And she shows up with a boy, blonde, beautiful ears that sat down, and wearing the exact harness that Bentley wore that we bought him. The same blue color except in a puppy size. And we were floored. That harness that Bentley wore is strapped around the aspen tree next to where we buried him. So it was just pretty wild. Um, yeah, we were crying when uh, she first handed him over. Instead of the puppy walking himself to us, she picked him up and she handed him to me into my arms. And I got to hug him and just started crying immediately. So here we are watching this puppy, and I'm actually inside one day. The windows are open, and Sophia's going around the backyard perimeter watering some trees that we had planted recently, and they're right over by Bentley's grave, and this new puppy is just jumping for joy right at <laughs> Sophia for the watering bucket. And he is just stoked on life. And Sophia <laughs> is just laughing and laughing and laughing. And they're standing right next to the spot where there was so much sorrow just months before. And I'm just like, wow, this this new puppy has no no idea of the sorrow we walk through and what's happened in that spot. And he's just here with new life and new laughter and new love. And I was just I was really, really touched by that. And so it eventually came up in conversation, um, do we want to adopt him? And like Sophia mentioned, the synchronicities weren't lost on us, uh, but we did have school and our availability and finances, you know, normal stuff to consider. And I was standing in the kitchen, Sophia was in the living room, and I go, I think Bentley would want us to adopt him. And I got the loudest ringing in my <laughs> ear right at that moment. And no, it was not tinnitus or tinnitus, however you say it. Um, I get spiritual ringings in my ear. And this is something I know Dolores Cannon has spoken about. I'm not sure who else. But anyways, it was uh, it was a divine message, probably directly from Bentley, to to adopt this new puppy. And so that's the introduction to our current son. His name is Rossi. We named him after a motorcycle racer, Valentino Rossi, and I'm sure he'll be presenced in many of our other episodes and stories in the future. And I just want to presence that Rossi is not the same soul as Bentley, that I've had multiple dreams, that he is the soul that I've been with three times now on this planet. He was the soul of the dog that I had that was my best friend when I was a child. 
And then again, um, I had a dog in my 20s and 30s, and now he is back with me again. And he's an ancient friend. I've had dreams where he's been my son before. Specifically, your human son in ancient Egypt. Yes. And um, in the dream, the visual that was given to me was he was a young boy, about five years old, and he had his head shaved all except for a circular pattern at the back of his head. And he had his hair pulled up into a ponytail and his hair was jet black. And so um, him and I have this bond together. And so we want a presence that he is not Bentley. However, our prayer was answered by the divine in such a specific way that touched our hearts and really filled our lives with joy again and was exactly what we needed to move on. Uh, A little more about Bentley to wrap this up. So right next to his grave, as I mentioned, we clipped his harness around an aspen tree. I built a round table that goes around the circumference of that tree. It's an idea I saw when we were traveling in New Zealand. I'd always wanted, I always thought it was cool. And so I figured we could honor Bentley by putting it around the tree by his grave and call it Bentley's table. So we have Bentley's table. And then um, about a year later, I had a dream that Bentley told me that he had stomach cancer and he wanted me to know, me and Brandon to know that we had done nothing wrong. And I was telling him in the dream, I wish I would have known I would have done anything for you, anything I could to help you heal. But I believe that he brought that message to us so that we didn't feel guilty for what happened and uh, just to also know that there was a divine plan in order um, and that he was okay. Yeah, and um, he's been in a handful of dreams of mine, and maybe you guys have all experienced this. Some dreams are just dreams, but other dreams are like super real, and those ones I believe are really taking place in the astral, in our astral body. Um, it's a real experience. And so I had one of those. It was in this house, the house that I was sleeping in when I had the dream. And it took place in our master bedroom, which looked exactly like it does in real life. And Bentley was there and he was so full of life, just jumping for joy and happy to see me and, and put his front paws up on the, the, uh, sink counter and drank water out of the sink. And, uh, just, it was, it was like we were actually together and he was there showing me he's okay, being stoked to be in my presence and likewise. Um, super cool. So other than that, from time to time, I'll get the, the Badger lyrics dropping in. And I know it's him saying hi. And, um, you know, I actually spoke about him to some friends and I haven't heard that song recently. I didn't sing that song or even name that song when I was speaking about him. And later that day, I heard the song lyrics. And this is only like a month ago. And so the way that happened, I just I knew Bentley was acknowledging that he knows I was talking about him in a loving way. And uh, yeah, just let me know with some song lyrics dropped in. And most recently, we've had a house guest that has told us that she senses a dog around and she thinks it's Rossi and... Then when she opens her eyes, like when we're meditating, she's like, Rossi's on the other end of the room. So I feel like that's been a gift for us recently 
to know that he is with us. Which he definitely is. But one more story, thinking back to right after he passed, we were down in Colorado Springs buying Sophia a motorcycle off of Facebook Marketplace. And Colorado Springs is like three, three and a half hours from us. And it's where Bentley's mom got moved to when she got repositioned for her job. And so just because of that, being down in that area and and knowing she's in that area, we were thinking about him a lot. And we had some time to kill before we met up with the seller. And so we went out to dinner and it was in this big like outdoor strip mall area, one big parking lot, lots of stores. And we came out from getting dinner and my attention was snapped across the parking lot, immediately focused and landed on a store's name called Bentley's Pet Supplies. And just the way my attention was snapped over there was divine. It's it's the same way my attention gets snapped over to angel numbers, which is something we'll talk about in a, another episode. But just the fact that it was his name and it was related to pet stuff um, was something quite synchronistic. And another story is we have a friend that um, was taking her dog in for a surgery. Her dog also had stomach cancer. And across the street from the surgery center was the Bentley house. So we were uh, aware that Bentley was there and possibly helping her dog transition into the next realm. And then we mentioned earlier about Bentley's table that we built. And there was a time in Rossi's first year of life where We wanted to switch up his diet, but not knowing any better, we switched it up too fast and he got real bloated and uncomfortable and he had never done this before. We probably had him for like six, seven, eight months, somewhere around there at the time. He'd never done this before, but feeling, feeling bad and bloated, he goes outside and he literally sits on top of Bentley's grave or right where he's buried directly on top of it in some shallow snow all by himself nobody else was outside and just looked back at us through the window so I really felt like Bentley was holding him and letting us know that Rossi was going to be okay and Bentley was looking after him and now we're at the point of our soulful send-off so I want to start this by saying that we're going to link an album with many of Bentley's photos. It'll have many of the photos from things we talked about in this episode, like his adventures, the synchronicities, Bentley's table, the Bentley house, Bentley's pet supply store, all that good stuff, and also a video I made for him after he passed. So check the description for links to those. But moving right along, as a person who went from Again, I'm not a dog person to a dog person. I fully stand behind the statement that dogs are earth angels. Indeed. And um, just to embrace every day, say yes to life and be present with those that you love. Uh, Tell them you love them. Be with them um, in every way that you can because we never know when our last day will be. The dog of the day today. So, yes, embrace life with a loving, open heart. And that heed the messages of spirit animals that come. In this case, it was the moose. Uh, They can bring warnings. 
And also spirit animals will appear in times when um, those qualities that they possess, they can really help you possess the same qualities in your life and guide you in moments of difficulty and moments of joy. So heed their appearance in your life. And also pay attention to your dreams. Those that you love that have passed on will often visit you in your dreams with messages for you that they may not be able to get through to you in the waking life. So um, if you have someone or a pet that you've lost, um, that's one way to connect with them as well. Other ways include visions like Sophia had kind of in the in-between dream and awake state, lyrics dropping in like I've mentioned, And the last thing we want to highlight is prayer and prayer works. And we say that with the evidence of Rossi appearing in our lives in the exact physical form that we prayed for after Bentley passed. And I'd like to end this episode by doing what I do throughout my life um, from time to time and go shout out Bentley. Love you, Bentley. Missy Bentley. And I would like to say I love you, Bentley Schmantley. (laughs) (laughs) every week we share our most recent divine guidance in an audio recording called oracle offerings sign up for only five dollars a month at patreon.com slash aspen roots